This is Dorothy Olasky reading Jack Spicer's Any Fool Can Get Into an Ocean. Any fool can get into an ocean, but it takes a goddess to get out of one. What's true of oceans is true, of course, of labyrinths and poems. When you start swimming through riptide of rhythms and the metaphor is seaweed, you need to be a good swimmer or a born goddess to get back out of them. Look at the sea otters bobbing wildly out in the middle of the poem. They look so eager and peaceful playing out there where the water hardly moves. You might get out through all the waves and rocks into the middle of the poem to touch them, but when you've tried the blessed water long enough to want to start backward, that's when the fun starts. Unless you're a poet or an otter or something supernatural, you'll drown, dear, you'll drown. Any Greek can get you into a labyrinth, but it takes a hero to get out of one. What's true of labyrinths is true, of course, of love and memory, when you start remembering. In case you forgot, I'm an Aries. I'm Alex. I'm a Sagittarius. Welcome to our podcast. Yes, here we are on our podcast. And and we, you know, just heard a poem by Jack Spicer, who is a San Francisco poet. And we were just in San Francisco for our book tour. And, you know, that poem is so important to both of us. Um, we thought we would share it with everyone for today. Yeah, and we're going to talk about it a little bit at the top of the show. And then we're going to dive into some questions from you guys, questions that we've received from uh, listeners, uh, people on Twitter. Um, and I'm sure that they all have to do with love and other complicated subjects. <laughs> so we're ready for that. We're ready for it. We're ready to put on our astrotherapist hats. Today. You love saying astrotherapist. I'm so concerned because I feel <laughs> yes. like I can't be anybody's therapist. Yes. You know, when I say it, I'm like, you can be an art therapist. So why can't we be astrotherapist? We are astrotherapists, I guess. I'm comfortable now. Now that you said it. We're not accredited, but we're here to give you some <laughs> advice. Story of my life. I'm not accredited, <laughs> but I'm here to give you some advice. So should we talk about Jack Spicer's poem that we both love? Tell me why you love this poem. I love this poem for so many reasons. I have so many connections to this poem. Um, you know, I, a poem that I wrote like a long time ago is kind of um, inspired by this poem. It's called Me and the Otters. That's one of my favorite poems of yours. Thank you so much. But I've told you that. Yes. Yeah, you have. And I don't know. Um, I wrote it about, you know, some of the ideas in this poem. Uh, what in I, the Jack Spicer poem? In the Jack Spicer poem when he has the otters in there and he's like equating these otters with things that are, you know, supernatural or whatever. But what I love about the poem, it just kind of suggests a nonlinear um, state of love and memory and life. And I'm, I just am really into that. Like, I don't, I don't like when things are kind of linear, you know, I like when things are always circling back. And, you know, I love thinking about memory. He ends on that image of memory. And, you know, the idea that memory is not, um, you know, not like a fixed thing is something I'm always fascinated by. Yeah. I totally agree and I see that in your work too the interest in nonlinearity. I mean we're both poets obviously mm -hmm. I really like this poem because 
this poem has that sense of possibility. I mean, when he says, look at the otters there in the middle of the poem, it just feels like anything could happen, right? And, and you know, he is an Aquarius. He we, is an Aquarius. We mentioned that. So this poem is like a beautiful example of kind of the Aquarius imagination because, you know, just like you're saying, the otters come in, it's very surprising. Like there's just constant surprise and you're like delighted as a reader by all this imagery coming in that you couldn't have necessarily uh, predicted. I love in the poem when he talks about the goddess. You know, anyone can get into an ocean, but it takes a goddess to get out of one. What do you think that line means? Well, there's so much it could possibly mean. This idea like anyone can get into anything. It's like the idea of the phoenix, which to me is always cheesy, that idea of phoenix rising from the ashes or whatever. But just that like, you know, people can get into problems, but, you know, you you have to be strong to get yourself up. And Lizzo, to mention our favorite, Favorite poet. She Your talk- favorite poet. Yeah, she talks about that too, right? Uh, yeah, I've got, yeah, yeah, I got boy problems. That's the human in me. Bling, bling. Then I solve them. That's the goddess in me. I feel like that's the same exact idea. I'd love to know if Lizzo likes Jack Spicer. I'd love to know if she reads him. But obviously it's those that like same idea coming into play that like we all get into like little mishaps, but it's like, can you get back up? after something bad happens. Mm -hmm. And I just, I don't know, there's like such a source of inner strength in that. So what does the poem remind you of? The poem reminds me of possibility. I think the poem is a really good example of how language can be surprising and how it can allow you to, you can endure something and that's the real power. That's the real power in, um, in like the human spirit. I think the other thing that the poem holds is, you know, the power of surprise. And the power of surprise often, often you need to surprise yourself to get out of something. Mm-hmm. You, have to, you have to embody or be something else or see something else in order to, you know, get past whatever, you know, whatever obstacle you have. And that's, I think, the hard thing. And that's the thing that poets present to people. Mm-hmm. Right. It's also the gift of the Aquarius. Right. And like when we sometimes talk about how Aquarius is like the sign, the sign of, of genius, genius. I don't know if I like really believe in genius, but there is this idea of like, you know, of innovation, like solving some solving a problem in a way that hasn't been thought of before. And I feel like that is the gift of the Aquarius mm-hmm. because they're going to do something unexpected and odd. And that usually can like re-see a problem and become the goddess. So now I think we're going to put on that Aquarius hat and try to help people out with some of their questions that they've sent us. Yes, I'm so excited that we're going to get to, you know, hear some of these questions because we've been collecting them since we started the podcast. You know, it's wonderful that we have an opportunity now to address them. First up, we're going to hear a question from April. Um, She's a Pisces sun and a Pisces moon and a Scorpio rising. Oh, God, April. (laughs) She's got some water going on. Oh. <laughs> hey, Astro Poets. Um, my name is April. I am a double Pisces, actually, Pisces Sun and Moon. I have a Scorpio Ascendant, so I'm a lot of water. I mostly just wanted to call to tell you how glad I am that you guys started a podcast. Um, but if I were to ask you a question, I might ask, uh, what fruit do you think each sign is. All right. See you on the airways. 
Okay. What fruit each what sign fruit? is? This, this is the is, best this, question. This is our kind of question because yeah. it's like our old our old series, which we never do anymore. We've stopped doing That's foods true. because whenever we'd put foods, like if we put kinds of cereals, like if we're like Taurus's Rice Krispies, all the Taurus would be like, "How dare you? Yeah. you know, I am corn." We've done fruits, but I don't remember what fruit we I assigned to. I each don't sign. remember. So this may we may be in conflict from other declarations regarding fruit and signs, but let's do it. Okay. Okay. Aries. Aries, what kind of fruit is an Aries? Peach. Peach. Okay. Do you think? You're an Aries. I I, I thought an apple. Oh. Let's say peach. Let's go with peach. Okay. 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 Taurus. Let's think it's got to be something really mushy. Like, I'd say an overripe plum. Yeah, that sounds right. (laughs) Yeah. Something I would not want to have. Okay. I would Um, like it. I love plums. Well, I feel like you're going to say this about every fruit. (laughs) But. I love fruit. I just want to say in general, I love Geminis or pomegranate? Geminis or pomegranates? Okay. I, yeah, because kind of intricate takes time. It's going to take a lot of time. A to lot eat of that. time they require your attention. Yes, real a lot of attention. And, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, it's not that good. I like, well, okay, <laughs> but it has a lot of antioxidants, so a lot of benefits to, to a pomegranate. Some benefits. Yeah. What's next? Cancers? Cancer. Cancer. Cancers are bananas. Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> like, Wait, yeah, why? I don't. Okay, why? Um, cancers are bananas because they're just. Because bananas contain so much nutrition. I mean, we know they don't have protein. You think cancers are, like, that beneficial to society? I think cancers kind of give you everything in, like, a nice package. And you you unpeel them and you get something even better. They have that hard shell. I know bananas aren't hard, but they have that tough shell. You really got to peel it. But once you peel it, you get this great fruit. Okay. I mean, we're really, like, being kind to cancers today. Okay. So okay. Leo. Leo's. Leo. Okay. Hold on. They're, they're, they're sort of... What's a regal fruit? A pineapple. A pineapple. A pineapple. Leos are pineapples. Yes. So Virgos. Virgos. Um, Oh, boy. Oh, grapes. Really? Okay. Something more boring. I think Sagittarius's are grapes. I don't think so. Okay. All right. Virgos. What's a Virgo? Maybe Virgos are apples. Yeah, Virgos are, they're like green apples. And they're just like, you can't go wrong. It's not going to be too great. It's not going to be bad. You know, you're going to feel good eating it. But at the end of the day, you know, you might want (laughs) something else. I mean, I do really like apples and, you know, always delicious. Like you kind of, you know, have them during harvest, which is like Virgo season. I feel like Virgo apples is our most spot on one. You think so? Yeah. What's Libra? Okay. Libra coconut. (laughs) (laughs) What are Scorpios? Scorpios. What about a raspberry? You think Scorpios are raspberries? Yeah, Scorpio and raspberries. I like that. Okay. Okay, Sag this is, is a really hard question. Sag is watermelon. Watermelon? Yes. You don't think you're grapes? I don't think I'm grapes. You know, I don't, I don't you think know why I think you're grapes? Because when I think of a Sag, I think of like a kind of Dionysus uh-huh. figure. And Dionysus wine. is okay. wine and grapes. So that's my thinking. Okay, I'm with you on okay. that. Okay. Capricorns? Capricorns are kiwis because they're kind of fuzzy and then even softer. Sure. All right. They're probably okay. not a fruit really? at all. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Aquarius. Aquarius may be like a star fruit. Star fruit. Okay. That's a good one. Yeah. Okay. What about Pisces? Pisces are like a fruit everyone loves. What, what is can a they Pisces? Be, can they be watermelon? You know, why not? I mean, if we get... Yeah. They're very watery. Okay. That's true. They're very watery. They're so hydrating. Exactly. Pisces, watermelon, that's our final answer. This Thank was a God. hard question. We just got through the Zodiac. We've bored everyone in the process, but... Okay, so we're going to take a quick break. and we come back, we're going to answer more questions. Please stay tuned. 
So we're back from the break with another question. Uh, I'd like to know why certain Scorpios can't take a joke and they're always so serious. Thank you. So, Dottie, why can't Scorpios take a joke? Why can't Scorpios take a joke? I think Scorpios can take a joke if they're the one giving the joke. But I guess that's not taking the joke. Right. Um, I think because they are so sensitive. They're so emotional and they're so sensitive. And their biggest fear is being hurt and people seeing their vulnerability um, and betraying them or striking them where it hurts. And so a lot of times jokes by their very nature, strike where it hurts, but that's supposed to be, you know, funny in the process. There's supposed to be, like, the humor aspect of that. But just, like, to a Scorpio, that can just really wound them. That It's hard for them to laugh at themselves because they just feel that big... Yeah, I mean, you're total. This listener is totally right. Scorpios, if you're looking for someone to take a joke or to have some sort of... Um, I guess I don't think of Scorpios as very external. They're very internal. And jokes require... Just like, I, I don't think that Scorpios are the people that we should look to to take a joke um, well. They're not like your party starter friend. They're more like the person at the party that you're going to go to like 30 minutes in and you're going to share some secret and they're going to listen to you intently and study you and you're going to like want them to share something and they're not, but they're never going to forget that you said that. So if you make a joke in front of a person like that, you know, their Scorpios want to get deep with you. Like a joke is always for them on the surface when we all know a good joke is actually very good and cutting. But like they don't really sort of see the world that way. Yeah, I think it is also just because jokes tell the truth a lot of times. And sometimes the truth hurts. Uh, sorry, Lizzo. But I don't know why I'm so obsessed with her. But anyway, um, that is why it bothers them because they can feel it really get to them where they're vulnerable. Yeah, true. All right, next question. Let's move on to our next question. Okay. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Hi. Um, okay, so I'm a Gemini, and I just want to know why Sagittarius men are trash. Okay, thank you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Alex, well, I'm just going to let you take this. I'm just, I feel like this, <laughs> this is your, this is for you to answer. All right. Well, here's the weird thing. So I, I gather that this listener is um, what? A Gemini. A Gemini. Gemini. Gemini Sag. We have a lot to say about that. Well, first of all, Gemini Sag are a great match. They're um, they're opposites. Mm -hmm. And this is just making me think of that one time when we were doing a reading at the New York Public Library. Mm -hmm. And this... Gemini got up and he's mm -hmm. like, I'm dating a Sagittarius. Is it going to last? And I said, no, but you're going to have a lot of fun. And then afterwards, when I was sending his book, he hit on me. He was like, so are you single? And I thought this is why Gemini and Sag get along. Because, because you're a Sag. So he just was a glutton for Sag punishment. Exactly. Look, I think that if you expect Sagittarius men to care about your well-being, you're going to be very disappointed. But if you want to have fun... And if you want to be irreverent and carefree and try new things, you're going to like Sagittarius men. But we're not going to hold your hand like a Cancer. We're not going to try to move in with you like a Pisces. We just don't care enough that much about 
our partners other than (laughs) truly. Well, I think, I mean, I think you're being a little hard on, you know, Sagas or yourself. I mean, I feel I'm just being honest. Yeah, I feel like Geminis and Sagittarians are signs that, like you said, like benefit from other signs kind of caring a lot and being nurturers. You know, a Gemini needs so much attention, so much nurturing. They, They would never admit that, but they really do. And Sagittarians, I don't know that Sagittarians seem like so much nurturing, but they do need a partner that's willing to kind of go with the flow and always sort of be giving them attention when they want it. You know, like an Aries might be like that too. So but that's just like, you know, Gemini is going to think that about a Sagittarius, that they're not giving them enough yeah. attention. You can't have two entertainers in a relationship. You need you need just one. And then the other person needs to be a caretaker. And Gemini and Sagittarius are both like great extroverted signs. So you, you can know. only have one star in a relationship. I think so. Yeah, that's a hard question too. We'll have to think about that. I think you can have only one star in a relationship because mm. someone has to play like, you know. Someone has to do the dishes. Someone has. Yeah, and I'm not going to do the dishes. No, and a Gemini not. is not going to do the dishes. Yeah. So who's doing the dishes? Uh, probably a cancer. Yeah. Some ca- you know? Okay. All right. All some, right. some water sign. Okay. I feel like we've addressed this question. Yeah. So our last question is going to settle something our followers on Twitter have been asking for years, whether or not we hate Capricorn. (laughs) Here's Stella with their question, and we'll just see what we say once we hear Stella's question. My name is Stella. Um, I tweet you guys all the time, and I just had a general question, question about why you guys talk so much shit about Capricorn and make us out to be the most boring people in the world. Um, I'm a Capricorn sun, cancer, moon, Gemini rising. So my question is, do you guys hate Capricorns and why? And, and yeah, anything about that, any information about that or any funny stories would be cool to listen to. Have a good night, guys. <laughs> Bye. I don't think that Capricorns are boring. I think that Capricorns lean into certain aspects of their personality that makes them infuriating. And I think (laughs) that can get boring. I mean, Capricorns, of course, they're not boring. I mean, like... They're not boring at all. They're not boring at all. They're actually, like, so intense. They're not boring at all. They're, They're actually very interesting because they're so complicated. There's so many motivations in a Capricorn that you don't see. You know, like they're like they're, they're planning and thinking things when you interact with them. Well, okay, for example, I mean, I think of Capricorns as so um, flamboyant and performative. You know, when you see somebody wearing a leopard, like leopard print, it's usually a Capricorn. <laughs> you want to think that it's an Aries, but it's usually the Capricorn. Like, they're the person that's like, you know, just like dressed in the most uh, kind of gorgeous and and um, like beautiful and intricate outfits. Like they have such a strong they're sense. They're like of, peacocks. Yeah, like peacocks, like our book says, right? Right, they're like peacocks. Yeah, yeah they're like peacocks. And so the, so I don't think we would ever say they were boring. But, but this is a perfect time to say that a lot of times people say, why are you so mean to this sign? But just to say that we're just doing a little satire. We're just trying to make you laugh. So if we call a sign boring or whatever, we're just kind of upping reality because we think it'll get a laugh. Well, every sign has aspects of their personalities mm-hmm. that are infuriating, boring, whatever. I mean, the problem with Capricorns is they lean way too much into 
the fact that they want power, the fact that they want money, the fact that they want stability. And for them, that sort of really means getting it by any means necessary. And oftentimes, you know, they'll end up just like really kind of, um, you know, they're just not going to be the friend that is going to suggest something spontaneous or fun. There are steady, but I mean, that's the thing. Like, I don't know. You're steady. You're not exciting, okay? Sorry. Like, you can't be. I think that Capricorns, if they really, really, you know, we, like, I think they can be so power-hungry and manipulative, you know, and again, I've gotten, like, so burned by Capricorns. But I think if they really, really love the person, they are the most loyal, steady person that there are. So, again, boring well, doesn't even... until they cheat on you. Boring doesn't even come into play. But I think why we kind of, like, see it through our lens is we're Aries Sagittarius. So we're just, like, kind of, we can be honest, we can be blunt, like... If an Aries is trying to make a power grab, you're going to see like a flaming torch from six miles away with the Aries charging at you to grab the power. You know, like, excuse me, this is mine. And I think Sagittarius has kind of a similar way of doing it. They might finesse it in a more graceful way than an Aries. But, but you know, if we want something like it's just like it's obvious, like we want control. That isn't us personally like what we want but you know as the signs mm-hmm. but like a Capricorn has so many ways to circumvent being obvious you know that that's what they want that that I think that like it's you know it's just hard for us to maybe you know see that sign as clearly For those of you who came to our event at the Strand in New York we want to thank you for all of your messages We wanted to also include a short compilation of our favorites from that event and um, some of the things that you guys said. Yeah, so stay tuned for that. I am an Aries. I'm a Taurus. I'm a Taurus. Gemini. I'm a Cancer. Cancer. Leo. A Leo. I'm a Virgo. Virgo. I'm a Libra. I'm a Libra. Hi, I'm a Scorpio. I'm a Sag. Sagittarius. Oh, I'm a Capricorn. I'm an Aquarius. Aquarius. Pisces. I love their weekly Twitter updates. Like, I stay up late on Sundays just to, like, see what my horoscope's going to be. They seem to know everything that's happening in my future and my present. It's creepy. Oh, everything. I love that poetry mixed with astrology. You know, I'm from Ecuador, and in Ecuador, in my country, everybody follows the account. It's amazing. I like that it's a new, kind of updated way of looking at it. I love everything about them. They're, like, the only reason I'm still on Twitter. Um, I love that they're insightful, and I love that they understand how much Leos love their hair. They're just always so spot on. Every time I read it, I'm like, that's freaky. I was thinking the same exact thing. Every Sunday, those horoscopes, yeah, live for it. I don't actually have a Twitter account, but I go on my browser and search AstroPoets on a daily basis just to enrich my life in that way. Uh, um, What don't I love about them? Um, What they say and their opinions really matter to me. It's just sometimes it's like absolutely ridiculous, but oftentimes it's absolutely accurate. Astrology is a science. I love astrology. Their uncanny ability to know my brain. Oh my god, they're just the best. They like blew my universe open. (laughs) 
so yeah so we loved you know meeting you while we've been on our book tour and we hope to meet many of you in the future and future readings and we hope you'll pick up a copy of our book at astropoetsbook.com This podcast is hosted by me, Dorothy Alaski. And me, Alex Dimitrov. It's produced by Becky Celestina. And if you like our podcast, subscribe and rate us on your podcast app. Also follow us on Twitter at Poet Astrologers. For more information about Macmillan's other shows, go to macmillanpodcast.com. That's M-A-C-M-I-L-L-A-N podcast.com. Thank you for listening. Um, We'll be back in two weeks. See you then.